and, and I know you may struggle where this is, but I want you to find the, the little book of Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament. It's the minor prophet. It's one of those that we kind of just buzz right by. We don't spend a lot of time there. But I really love the book of Habakkuk. And over the years of reading it over, I've preached out of it many times. I want to preach out of a section that I've never preached out of before. It's Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, that goes along exactly with what Phil just testified that we as believers need to, to, to do. I want to talk to you today about when you can't explain God. What do we do when we can't explain what's going on? What do we do? I struggle with how to title this this, this week, uh, this message, but what do we do when, when life doesn't make sense? What do we do when, when, when we look at things and we go, God, how do I make sense out of this? How do I understand this? How do I, how do I relate to that? So I, I'm saying all this to give you time to find the little book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, it's in the Minor Prophets. It's kind of tucked in there. Zephaniah and, and, and Nahum and, and a few others there, right around there. So everybody found it? All right, if not, it's going to be on the screen for you anyway. So let's stand together as we honor the reading of the Word. I want to read these words that Habakkuk says here in chapter 3 in verses 17 through 19. He says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom... Neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, and the flock shall cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in God, in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singers on my stringed instruments." Lord, I pray today that, Lord, just as Phil has testified the great need for um, uh, praising the Lord, that we would understand that when life doesn't make sense, when, when we can't explain what God is doing in our hearts and in our lives, and we can't explain what the world is, is, is doing, then, Lord, we have one choice, and that is to walk by faith and to praise the Lord and know that you have all of it in your hands. So, Lord, move me out of the way today. Hide me behind the cross. Let it not be my words, but your word that is spoken today, for it's in Jesus' name I ask these favors. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated this morning. All right, now, Phil's already set the stage, but I want to talk about some other things that, that, that tragedies of people that you don't know or maybe you didn't ever know. But on Saturday, March the 9th, in 2002, there were three women killed in Chicago when a part of a 25-foot aluminum scaffold fell in the high winds from a 43rd-story uh, building called the John Hancock Center. These three women were sitting in their cars, unexpected of any danger when the incident occurred. The Chicago Tribune headline stated this, Tragedy at the Hancock. The tragedy that I just spoke of occurred six months after uh, one of the most horrendous days in America's history, the day the terrorists flew planes into the Twin Towers at the World Trade Center at, in New York City and in Pentagon in Washington, D.C., killing over 3,000 uh, people 
innocent people that day, unexpected of what was going to take place, their lives were ended tragically. This horrific assault was labeled as the day that changed America. And and I think in many ways it really has. There's been a lot of uh, things that have changed in America. We've never been the same since that horrendous day. The truth is, tragedy is hard to understand. It's hard to explain. It's hard on our faith. It's, it's difficult for us to say, God, how do I carry on in the midst of my loss, in the midst of my uh, 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 tragedy? How do, I, how do I continue to trust you to care for me when this has happened in the world, or this has happened to me, or this has happened to somebody that I know? Tragedy is a terrible thing. Life itself is a difficult thing. Some people lay the blame at the feet of God. I remember after 9-11, I remember hearing the, the, the comments over and over again in the news and, and among people, where was God in the midst of this tragedy? And I remember there were a lot of songwriters, Christian songwriters, that, that, that heard that as well and continued to come out with songs. And, and, and there were such songs written that, that talked about the fact that God was there in the midst of the stairwells of people as they were trying to get out of those buildings as they were collapsing. God was there upon, uh, with those people in the midst of those planes that were being hurled into buildings uh, even though their lives were being lost. God was there the day that the, 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 the brave men and women took back over the plane. Though they died that day, they crashed it into a field versus into another building taking more innocent lives. God was there in the midst of that tragedy. God was there in ways that you and I can't even begin to understand or explain. Much of what happens in life is unexplainable. We cannot figure it out. Tragedy is hard to understand. It's hard to explain. It's hard on our faith. It's easy to blame God. It's easy to become cynical. It's easy to say, God, you have failed me. Oftentimes we ask for explanation, but only get silence. We ask for understanding, but only are baffled by what we hear and what we experience. Life indeed is a mystery. Beyond that of our understanding and beyond that of our control, and even if we could explain it, even if we could control it, we probably wouldn't be satisfied with it anyways. We long for sensitivity. We long for sensibility. We seek for an explanation We are desperate for reasons why things happen. We need to understand that there is a fundamental truth that is spoken throughout all of Scripture that God has given us from the very beginning all the way to the very end. We need to remember that God never explains Himself. Throughout the, 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 from the beginning to the end, God doesn't say, well, let me explain why I'm doing what I'm doing. God simply does what He's doing because He sees and knows what we do not see and know. He rarely gives us a reason why He's doing what He's doing. Sometimes throughout the Old Testament we find that God says, the reason that I am judging you, the reason that I am um, uh, coming down hard on you is because of your sin. 
But there are times when God doesn't give us the reasons because we wouldn't understand it, we wouldn't accept it, we wouldn't believe it, but He just does it. The events that unfold in our world seldom make sense to us. We therefore are confronted with a basic tenet of every Christian. The idea that Christianity is, is founded around this concept, that the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Habakkuk is an interesting prophet because Habakkuk does something that no other prophet does. Habakkuk does for us what we need for today. He helps us to understand that life is going to throw curveballs at us that we're not going to understand. There are going to be tragedies and there are going to be difficulties in our life that we're going to question every step of the way. But the faithfulness of God is beyond belief. So I want to talk about, first of all, what, is it, what does it take for you and I to continue to walk in, 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 with the Lord when God can't be explained or when the situation cannot be explained? What does it take? First of all, we, we need to understand that we are called as Christians to walk by faith and not by sight. So the key answer there is faith. So the thing that I want to talk to you about today is really about faith. The manifestation of faith. Let's look at that first. Perhaps the greatest expression of the undaunting faith that has ever been penned in Scripture comes from this Old Testament spokesman by the name of Habakkuk. Most of the prophets of old, and think about this for a minute, most of the prophets of old were speaking to the people about what God had to say to them. Habakkuk actually turns that around. He flips that around. Instead of talking to the people about what God has said, Habakkuk is talking to God about what the people are saying. Habakkuk is saying to God, listen, I need to let you know what is going on among your people in case you haven't noticed. Habakkuk is one of those unique men who says, listen, God, I, 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 I'm sure that you're aware. I'm sure that you understand. But I need to make sure that you understand what your people are going through. And so Habakkuk begins to share with God through these small chapters. He begins to share with God some fundamental problems that the, the people of God are going through. Habakkuk finds himself living in a time that is hard on faith. He saw the righteous suffering and the wicked prospering. He asked the two questions that so many of us are asking today. Lord, why? Why are these things happening? Lord, why is it that it seems as though that good people are struggling while the wicked are getting away with murder? And then the second question that we oftentimes ask, the one that I think causes us to, to, to be in a vicious circle, is how long? How long, O oh Lord, will it be before you will set things right? How long shall we have to walk through this difficult, disturbing, troublesome time, Lord, before you're going to step in and before you're going to change 
how things are done. Why are these things happening? And how long will it be before they are rectified? Now God has revealed to Habakkuk in this little book some interesting information. Habakkuk uh, is told by God that the Babylonians, the empire that everybody seemed to hate, even Habakkuk, and as a matter of fact, God even detested them and judges them in the end, would become God's instrument of uh, judgment upon the nation of Judah. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and Jerusalem was besieged. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judea, into the hands with part of the vessels of the house of God. Now what's happening here in the book of Daniel is that God has has cast judgment upon the children of Judah uh, for their disobedience and their unwillingness to obey and repent of their sin. And God said, I'm going to use a foreign, despicable nation to come in and besiege the city of Jerusalem. And I'm going to send them in and I'm going to give into their hands victory over my people. Habakkuk couldn't understand how, God, you would choose such a despicable, despicable group of people as this to judge your people. He could not explain it. For the time being, evil would win over righteousness and bad things would happen to good people. Now, in our Thursday Bible study that we do every Thursday morning, we've been studying the book of Daniel, so we've walked through this. We're actually into chapter 9, and we've talked about all of what's taken place here and how God uses this horrendous time to teach the people the lessons that He wants to teach them and how good people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go through difficult things even in the midst of living their life rightly before the Lord. God reminded Habakkuk of correct living. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, he says, The righteous shall live by faith. It's the righteous who will live by faith. Habakkuk realized that though he did not understand God's ways, nor did he understand God's timing, he could not doubt the wisdom and the love and the reliability of God who had been faithful to care for his children all the way through. The same God that took them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the land of Canaan, the same God who gave them that which they did not work for, the same God who prospered them and gave them a temple to worship Him in, the same God who met their need day after day after day after day was the same God who was now judging them for their wickedness and their sin. And even though they couldn't explain it, they understood that God had a faithful reason for doing what He was doing. Then Habakkuk wrote that great affirmation that I read to you just a few moments ago and I want to read to you again. In light of the tragedies, in light of all of the difficulties in which Habakkuk sees his children, uh, his people in, he ultimately comes to the understanding of this truth. Now Habakkuk chapter 3, I want to read verses 17 through 19 again. Though the fig tree does not bud... And there is no fruit thereon, the vines. 
He says, though the, the fig tree doesn't bud, the fruit don't grow, we may starve. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there is no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk affirmed that even if everything failed that he relied on, everything that he needed, everything that he felt he, he, he deserved in this life didn't come to pass. If everything that gave him stability began to crumble around him, he said, I am still going to trust the Lord. I wonder, are we willing to say that today? Are we willing to say that, Lord, no matter what you need to take away from us as a nation to get America back on track, no matter what it takes for you to do in our government or what it takes for you to do in our land or what it takes for you to do in our churches to get us back on track, Lord, I will trust you. I wonder, be careful saying amen if you don't mean it. Because I believe that God is coming to that very place in time when He is holding us accountable. As God's children, we have to set the standard. As God's children, we need to be the mark in which the world is comparing this to. If we're not standing up in faith, if we're not trusting God, how in the world can we ever expect them to trust our God? And that's what Habakkuk is saying. Even though all of this fails, even though all of it crumbles, I'm going to trust in the Lord who is the God of my salvation. If Habakkuk were speaking to us today, I believe that he would say, though the scaffolding falls, the stock market crashes, the, the company goes bankrupt, there's a pandemic in the land, and the economy heads south, if everything I rely on falters, still I will trust in the Lord. My confidence in God will not waver. The second thing that we need to see about the importance of faith is the value of having faith in your life. I don't understand uh, some people who say, um, you know, I, I, I just... I just go through life. I don't understand how people without faith make it in this world today. I have sat in, in hospitals over the last 30 years in, in, in waiting rooms watching people as I've been there with my folks over the years and I have seen the most devastating scenes of people without hope walking through these difficult things and I'm thinking, Lord... How can they go through what they're going through if they don't have the same rock to lean on? If they don't have the anchor that I have? How in the world are they going through that? that tra I, have, I have sat in those rooms and watched doctor after doctor come out and give that horrendous news. Your loved one did not make it. Your loved one is terminal. And I have watched people weep and fall to the ground because they didn't have a rock to stand on. I want you to understand how important it is for you and I to have faith in our life. We've all heard the story of Corey Ten Boom. We know the, uh, of the great tragedies that she went through 
the suffering that she went through in those Nazi concentration camps. And she lived with a courageous faith. All of the writings of, uh, uh, that we have of the stories of her accounts tell us this. And here's one. Among, among emerging from the Nazi concentration camps, she said, there is no pit so deep that God isn't deeper still. She picked an app analogy because pain and tragedy is a pit. It's a pit that many people fall into and they can't seem to get out. And when they fall into that pit of tragedy, they fall into a great pit of despair. And it seems that every time they fall into one, they fall into another. And it's a spiraling down effect. For some, it appears to be bottomless. Many experience a falling disorientation, a terror, as they grab for the walls, as they reach out just to hold on. And they only see the blackness. They hear the echoes of life as they used to know. And for many, they claim that God was not present in their time of need. But Corey Ten Boone, the prophet Habakkuk, remind us that even in the pit of tragedy, God is there. In the midst of the stairwells of buildings that are collapsing, God was there. In the midst of planes that were flying through the air one moment and then crashing into a building the next, God was there. In the midst of whatever you and I are walking through right now, I want you to know He is here. In this room, in this moment, our God is present. He is faithful to be with us to walk with us. It is by faith. We talked about this in Sunday school this morning. Thomas, who was told by the Lord Jesus after saying, I won't believe unless I, I touch, unless I experience him personally. And Jesus came and appeared before Thomas and said, Thomas, blessed are you that believe because you've touched, you've seen, but more blessed are they who have believed but yet have not seen. You see, the reality is that we have to have faith in our life in order to get through life. Yes, pain is real. Tragedy is real. But God indeed is real also. That's where faith comes in. Faith reminds us that we may not fully grasp God's design for our lives now, but in time we'll come to trust and to know that His love for us is greater than the tragedies of life around us. Until then, we must have faith in God. Now, what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 describes it this way. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Simply put, faith is defined as the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of that which we have yet to see. There are two critical aspects in the definition of faith that should really draw our attention. First of all, things that are promised for the future. Faith promises a future 
that is yet to come. It says, hang on, for I have something greater, better for you down the road that you don't have right now. I don't know about you, but by faith, I believe that heaven awaits every believer who puts their faith and trust in Christ. I'm excited about the fact that one day I'm going to shed this old mortal flesh and I'm going to walk the streets of gold and I'm going to be able to worship in the presence of God at the very throne of God. Those are the promises of the future, but the second truth that we need to understand is things that are present that are invisible. He says that faith is the hope of the future, but it is also the reality of the present that we do not see. In other words, based on the account of this verse, it is evident that if something can be seen with the naked eye, that it can no longer be classified as faith. The fundamental of faith is that we do, uh, or it has to do with the things that we cannot see, but that are present in the supernatural. The truth is that the supernatural realm is way more real than the natural realm in which we oftentimes find ourselves living. As we're dealing with the issues of life, we should realize that the Word of God is an integral part of, the, of our faith because it is what teaches us how to properly exercise faith in God. Our faith is laid upon uh, what the Word of God says. Now, let me give you the words of the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul says, So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing what? And hearing by the Word of God. You see, for the last eight months, we have been telling you over and over again, week after week, that we have given you a daily reading plan because we know that you need to hear the Word of God. If we want your faith to be what it needs to be so that we can walk in the times in which we are called to live in, in the times of a pandemic, in the times of uncertainty of our faith, in the times of sudden losses, in the times of extended illnesses, in the times when, when, when things are falling apart all around us and we wonder, God, where are you? We need the Word of God that gives to us the promises of God and the reality of God that says to us, we can walk by faith because He has showed us His faithfulness in His Word. Faith cometh by hearing. Now listen, it's not just by what you hear on Sunday morning through my vain preaching. It is by hearing God speak through His Word. He says it is by hearing, and hearing cometh by the Word of God. If you don't have the Word, therefore you cannot have faith in God. You will not. Without the Word of God, you will not have the, the foundation to have faith. You will not be able to see and believe the unbelievable, the invisible, and that which is to come in the future. The Word is the very fuel that, that propels our faith in God. It is the very thing that turns that we turn to whenever we feel like faith is down due to life's bad circumstances which, by the way, clearly underlines how we should rely on the Word of God on a consistent basis. I don't know about you, but, but things don't just happen every century. Things happen every day. As a matter of fact, 
I live my life all too often, hour by hour, and sometimes what's going to happen in the next minute. Because when my phone rings and someone's on the other end telling me of their tragedy, I have to ask the Lord oftentimes, what next? What next? In the last couple of months, we walked through one of the most difficult times in 30 years of ministry. We had loss after loss after loss. Not like times in the past when I had time to breathe, time to re-energize, time for me to fill up so that I could pour out again. It was like my pitcher was perpetually tipped over and I was supposed to pour out something. And the families that went through it, the struggles that they were going through, the heartaches, I didn't have answers to the questions. But all I had was in the midst of tragedy, we can trust God. He is faithful. He is there. And time after time after time, he showed up. And he was there. But it was the word of God that we used to speak into their life. The word of God is simply a mere picture of whom God is, along with how that he operates. By reaching or reading it, we learn about him his ways, his will, as well as how we can inherit the promises that he has given unto us. Through the reading of the word, we learn to trust God through the midst of our tragedies and our difficulties. One of the key aspects that stands out the most regarding our faith is that we cannot fail as God's children due to the fact that the person in whom we've placed our faith cannot fail. Let me say that again. No matter how bad the tragedy, no matter how sudden the, the, the alarming effect, no matter how critical the, the mass, we cannot fail as God's children. Because we serve a God who cannot fail. So let me just wrap it up by sharing with you the last thing on faith. Our faith causes us to believe. But what is it that our faith causes us to believe? What are these important things that we need to have in our life because of faith? First of all, faith causes us to believe that God is too wise to make a mistake. Now listen, I, I, I use that phrase specifically because I, I read it, or wrote it the first time that, that, that faith believes that God is too wise to make mistakes. And I said, uh-uh, nope, that's not true. 
Nope. And I rewrote the thing to say a mistake. See, God can't make mistakes because he can't make a mistake. You see, he can't make multiple mistakes. I make mistakes. I don't just make a mistake. I make mistakes. God can't make mistakes because he can't make a mistake. He is too wise to make a mistake. The God of the universe has a plan for your life and mine. As a matter of fact, we find that, that, that the scripture reminds us that, that he has, has set apart our lives and he has, he has called us to a plan and a purpose. And he is busy in acting that plan out in our life. But that oftentimes is not easy to discern. This last week, I've had two people call me and say, Preacher, I, I just don't know where to go from here. I don't really have the answer, but I know who does. And so, the reality is we need to recognize that God is too wise to make mistakes, so why do we not trust Him? We view life as though we are watching a parade through a rolled-up program. We can only see that which is immediately in front of us. But God is different. He's like the parade marshal. He's sitting up on the, the high bleachers. He's looking at this parade, and He sees the beginning, and He sees the end, and He sees everything in between. And he's orchestrating the parade exactly the way that it needs to be so that when it passes by us, it's exactly what we need right then. You see, but when we look at it, all we see is that narrow focus of, oh, how bad it is, how terrible it is. We're always wiser, it seems, after the event has passed. It's no wonder we've come up with the phrase, hindsight is 2020. Real easy to look back at something and say, well, that's the way it should have been done. See, that's the way it could be done. Hindsight is wonderful when we're looking back. But while the crisis is occurring, we're unaware of why we're going through what we're going through. Only after we reflect on it for a while does it strike us that God was in it all the time and that God had a plan and a purpose to change us and to mold us and to shape us into the image of His Son. For that reason, we trust in the ways that God uh, has created, believing that He is too wise to make even a simple mistake in our life. Faith also causes us to believe that God is too kind to be cruel. Over the marble fireplace of the Mathematic Building in Princeton University is written this words in, uh, in German. And it says, God is subtle, but He is not malicious. God is never malicious in dealing with His children. Whatever He does, He does for our good. He is constantly doing for us that which is best for us. The Apostle Paul spoke of the kindness of God and His amazing grace when he wrote these words in Romans chapter 8. We oftentimes, in the midst of trouble and tragedy, we turn to these verses or we tell somebody these verses, but I wonder, do we really believe what God is saying? And here's what the Apostle Paul says. 
We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He has foreknown. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. You know, oftentimes we take that verse out of context and we tell people, Oh, it'll be all right. God said that all things work to good. No, that's not what God said. God said if you and I are walking in the right relationship with Him, when tragedy comes, He will take the tragedy of our life and He will mold us and shape us into the image of His Son so that we will look more like Christ when we come out the other side than when we did going in the other side. That's what he says. He says, for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. This is not a verse for the world and all of its tragedies. It is a verse for God's people in the midst of tragedy. These verses are as important for us as they, uh, about what they do not say as, as well as what they do say. Because they, say, uh, or they do not say that everything that happens is good. That's not what God says at all. They do not say that God causes evil. does not say that at all. They do not say that everything will turn out okay for everyone. God does not say that at all. Hear me well. What they do say is, is important as well. It simply says that God is at work in the world and in our lives, especially in the lives of His children. His glorious purpose is to make us more like His Son, Jesus Christ. And to, the, to that good end, God can and does use all things for His good and for the bad, that which He causes, that which will He permit. It assures us that there is no experience has to be wasted in our life. God says, take everything that comes... And look at it as, how is God making me more like Him than I was before? And then faith believes that God always knows what's best and acts in His own time. When we try to impose our own timetable on God, we get into trouble. I read this story. A man was walking one day and saw a cocoon in, in, in a tree in his yard. He was intrigued by it and decided to watch as it grew and changed. One day he went out to look at it and he saw this tiny butterfly inside. The delicate covering uh, 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 that, that was still over it. He watched the, the little butterfly struggling in there to try to get its way free. And after a few moments he decided this poor little butterfly needs my help. And so very gently he took his knife and he began to slice open the cocoon to let the butterfly out. Only to see the butterfly attempt to fly out, only to fall to the ground, unprepared for the life that it was supposed to live. Now what does that story mean? I want you to think about what the writer James, the brother of Jesus, said about trials and tribulations. In James chapter 1 and verse 3, he says that, that trials and tribulations are there to build our patience, meaning to, to build our endurance. 
And when you and I do not allow God the time to, to, that it takes for us to build the endurance that we need, we end up recycling ourselves back into that trial. Have you ever asked the question, wait a minute, haven't I just been through that? Why am I back here again? Here's what I would ask you. Did you pray, Lord, get me out of this and get me out of it quick? Did you find a shortcut to get out? Probably. And because you did, God said, listen, you did not learn what you need to learn, so I've got to bring you back through that again till you do. Listen, my friends, too many of us are trying to get out of the trials and tribulations of life instead of saying, God, help me to endure the trials and tribulations of life. Soon we find that the struggles in which we are in, we say to God, we want to bug out or we want to beg off what God is doing in our life. Like the butterfly, if we don't go through all of the trial and tribulation that God has set for us, we find that we do not have the endurance for life and we fall to the ground. James reminds us in James chapter 1, verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, endurance. Faith also believes that God is in control and therefore we can rest in Him. George Buddock has said, the same sun that hardens the clay melts the wax. Listen to that again. The same sun that hardens the clay melts the wax. It is our choice whether we let that which we are going through, the suffering and the, uh, the, the tragedies of life, the misfortunes, the hardness to either harden our heart or soften our heart. We can either let it harden us and push us away from God, or we can let it soften us and be molded into the image of God. We can choose to be hopeful or helpless. We can decide whether we will be an optimist or a pessimist. It all depends on how we look at it, and we determine which direction we look by whether we want to learn from or escape from our troubles. And then finally, faith believes that when we cannot trace the hand of God, we must trust the heart of God. Let me say that again. When we cannot trace the hand of God or we cannot explain what God is doing, we have to trust the heart of God that He loves us that much. Habakkuk presented a great affirmation of faith by saying, Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of deer and enables me to walk on mountains height. The deer that Habakkuk was talking about, the hind, is a mountain climbing deer. It's a sure-footed deer. It never slips on the rocks. It's always steady as it climbs. Even on the most treacherous terrain, it never falls. The Lord promises to us who put our faith and trust in Him that He will keep our feet as we travel the treacherous path called life. 
We may not get all, uh, all of us get out of the troubles of life, but He promises us to get us through. Let me just remind you that God is here. In the midst of whatever tragedy, whatever circumstance, whatever struggle you are going through, He is here for you. He promises us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. cares too much for each and every one of us. Even if the night is dark and the storm is raging, we can know that God is in the midst of the storm. Even when we can't see the hand of God, we can trust the heart of God and His love for us. The question that I have for you this morning, the question I have for the church of Jesus Christ this morning, is will you trust Him? Will you live by faith or by fear? Will you walk in the things unseen for a future that has been promised? Or will you get caught up struggling in the here and now and tripped up on that which is before you? Even if you don't understand why, will you trust Him? You can trust Him because you know that He knows why. Even if you wonder how long, you can trust Him. Trust Him because He knows the time and the length of every trial, every tribulation, every suffering that we need to go through. Trust Him without explanation, logic, and reason. Trust Him simply because He alone is God. We can trust Him. We can walk by faith. We can live by faith. Not in that which we see, but that in which we do not see, knowing that He is faithful to be there with us and for us if we will walk by faith. With that being said, every eye closed, every head bowed. Uh, as the folks come, we have an invitation hymn today to sing, and, and I want you to uh, just reflect on that. As they're coming, I want to pray for you and prepare your heart for... Uh, responding to the Lord this morning. So um, as they're coming, let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would speak unto this, your people. Lord, I don't know all that people are going through. I do know that uh, every person is going through something. It may be big or it may be small. It may be the beginning or it may be the middle or it may be the end. But what I do know, O oh Lord is that you are in the midst of all of it. And you have a plan and a purpose for us. And so, Father, I pray today that, Lord, that you would begin to speak unto the hearts of your people. And if there are those here today that need to come and, and just find a quiet moment with God before we leave, Lord, let them know the altar is open. If there are those here today that need to, to take a step forward and walk with the Lord, then let them know that today God is calling. Lord, if there are those that are broken and need to be healed, let them know that you are here for healing. Lord, let us love on one another. Let us pray 
one for another. Let us be reminded, O Lord, that you are here in the midst of whatever it is that we are walking through.